0: What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, listening wherever you get your podcast, or watching on YouTube. Today, I want to go through my NFL Combine winners and losers, as this was the fastest Combine on record. You're going to get a short soliloquy from me about how much I love the 40-yard dash, even though football people seem to hate it people that run really fast in their sport. I don't understand that. And we're gonna finish with my spring top 25 that is taking into consideration transfers, recruiting classes, coaching changes, and what is basically changed since the time I did the way too early top 25 until now. All right, so let's get started with my winners and losers in the NFL combine. And I'm going to put an emphasis on 40 yard dashes because I love 40 yard dashes. They're one of my favorite things. Football people can't stand the 40-yard dash. And I'm going, no, I live to watch enormous men run in their underwear. 40-yard dash in a straight line. And the faster they run it, the more giddy I get. All right? There's something especially awesome about watching a 341-pound man in his skivvies drop 478. You're just not going to see it. All right? That's where I'm at here. So to start with that, let's go with number one. Winner. Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave, perhaps the most polished wideout in the NFL draft, has legitimate 4-3 speed, if barely, at four three nine. However, his top-end speed is now in the 1%, right? Like, that's the thing. We all knew that Chris Olave was one of the great route runners in the sport, and him choosing to return was a boon for Ohio State. But the take on him was that with his returning – the average rating of the wide receiver room goes down because he was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. As a matter of fact, you'll remember Ryan Day and the crew had gone to scout Jack Tuttle and saw this dude, Chris Olave, and was like, oh, who was that? Cool. I think we want to offer him, too, because they like what they saw. And it's nice to see that his game speed is really that great. And I think, if anything else, you're looking at him as a wide receiver one now in place of maybe a Jamison Williams, who is coming off of a blown ACL, but perhaps would have been the fastest wide receiver at the NFL Combine if he was healthy. It's a really great win for Chris Olave. Also, you can read this entire list at foxsports.com. It went up on a Monday. We were talking about it on Wednesday. And number two on this list, a winner, Iowa State running back Brees Hall, a workhorse tailback with 4-4 speed elite explosion, a known ability to put the offense on his back. That's my RB1 after this combine, which is saying a lot. Hall was a unanimous All-American at Iowa State, the first in school history. That's also saying a lot because Troy Davis was a Heisman finalist for two consecutive years, rushed for 2,000 yards plus in both of those years, and his running back's coach at Iowa State is also USFL Pittsburgh Maulers coach Kirby Wilson, uh, that's a tease because we're going to talk to Coach Wilson a little bit later on about, among other things, coaching a guy like Troy Davis. I put Hall at that RB1 spot ahead of Kenneth, uh, Kenny Walker III, who ran 4.38 to Hall's 4.39 because, I mean, Hall basically kept this up for the entirety of the combine. He leaped 40 inches in the vertical league. Uh, Walker did 34 He's also rushed for 3,941 yards over the course of his career, five and a half yards per carry. Again, I edge him over Walker, who had 1,636 yards last season and was a Heisman finalist. I think he finished sixth in the Heisman voting. But when you put that in comparison, Abram Smith ran for 1,601 at Baylor, and there's still a lot of people that don't know Abram Smith's name to tell you what the running back group was like last year. Because I remember thinking about just how great the running backs were in 2021, with not just Walker and Hall, but guys like Travion Henderson, who came into his own, and others like B. John Robinson, whose uh, season was ended shortly after he suffered an injury on a bad football team that I expect to be good this year. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And at number three, we got our first loser on the list that is for the NFL Combine, not overall, for you want to get actually into your feelings about Notre Dame running back Kyron Williams. Who ran really slow in his 40 yard dash, just four, six, five seconds? You could say he plays faster than that, and I would agree with you, but the time is the time, especially for a dude that Brian Kelly, when he was a head coach at Notre Dame, claimed he was thinking about putting in the slot. You don't put slow people in the slot. That's not how that works. And I did not expect Kevin Austin, who's a Notre Dame wide receiver, to run faster than Kyron Williams and who was heavier than Kyron Williams. It's not just that he was slow at 4.65, is that he only weighed 194 pounds. And we've seen bigger, faster, stronger men at the combine. So if you were looking for some blazing speed from him, and I was, I was looking for a dude that was at the very least going to ro- roll in the 4.5s, if not roll in the sub-4.4s, four like a Brees Hall, like a Kenny Walker. That just wasn't it. Especially when you add into this that UGA outside linebacker Trayvon Walker ran 4.51 seconds at 6'5", 272. Not for nothing, but even the Georgia punter was fast. Like, all the Georgia dudes could fly. I'm not sure what's in the water Athens, but every last one of them is moving. That's not the last Georgia player you're going to hear about, not even the punter who ran, I think, faster than nine wide receivers and nine running backs. That's just ridiculous. I still think Kyron Williams is going to be a pretty doggone good NFL tailback, but I don't think the combine did anything to help him, hence the loser label. Number four on this list, uh, producer Cat's favorite. Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. It's not just that he is, you know, the favorite to come off the board first. Fox Bet has him at minus 149 to be the first guy off the board to whomever decides to take him. There's a number of uh, quarterbacks, not just in this draft, but a number of teams that could be looking to take quarterbacks, though none of them is Denver. Yo, speaking of which, hey, Seattle, go get my man Kyler from Arizona. They don't want him. They don't want him. Go get him and let him throw the ball to Tulsa's own Tyler Lockett. Let him see what it's like to be tossing passes to DK Metcalf. But that, I'm going to leave that for later. I'm going to leave that for later, all right? Malik Willis started 23 games at Liberty, going 17-6 and with 5,100 pass yards, 1,800 rush yards, and 74 total TDs responsible for. He's also a recorded good Samaritan and boasts a healthy understanding of himself, As far as Good Samaritan, someone got video of him as Malik Willis was appearing to hand out clothes and or food to uh, someone on the street that needed a bit of help. And that's also in keeping with Malik Willis. As a matter of fact, at the Senior Bowl, he was asked about, you know, what he was looking to do as far as be the first dude off the board and all that sort of thing. And he said, I'm not I'm not really wanting to talk about that. I'm just, he's very grounded in his faith. He's very, very grounded in who he is. And he had this money quote at the Combine. It's lengthy, so I'm just going to go through it. Somebody's always going to think you're trash. Everybody's going to have an opinion of you. So if you focus so hard on what everybody's opinion is of you, you're never going to be happy. I want to be happy, so I'm going to think about I'm not going to think about it. Excuse me. You can say what you want. I'm going to let the opinion of people I trust and can respect affect me. Extremely well said, and it's even harder to walk through because so many of us are influenced by what other people feel because we're human beings and we're social animals. But it is a good effect that he has on himself, especially being a quarterback. My knock on Malik Willis is you can't beat out Jared Stidham at Auburn. And Jared Stidham – isn't very good in the NFL, just period. Right? I know that he was gonna be a dude, and I know what he was meant to be, but it, I still kind of am in my feelings about that. Why does a guy that we're all pumping up now could not beat out a dude that might be, you know, the third best quarterback in New England? I just, yeah. I say he won this week though because. He showed some ability that we all wanted to see, throwing 80-yard bombs. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got great mobility, and he seems to have a a healthy understanding of what his job is. So from that standpoint, he's certainly ahead of number 5 on this list, who I label as the second loser on this list, uh, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, because I think Corral suffered the most from this, and as far as quarterbacks, it's a guy that suffered an injury in the Sugar Bowl, right, and could have been aggravated during workouts, but The thing that really messes with me is he's going to perform at his pro day. So it's not the ankle that he's protecting. He just didn't want to go throw and perform at the combine, even if he went through interviews. It just begs the question, why not put on for the mini scouts in attendance at the league's annual company convention? I would have liked to have seen Matt Corral participate in the drills and probably could have moved up to QB1. Instead, we're looking at Malik Willis taking over that spot from him when many people going into this draft probably thought that Matt Corral was the guy, but if you were looking for somebody who's coming out to compete, you're probably going to go with Malik Willis ahead of Matt Corral. At number six on this list, winner, Cincinnati wide receiver, Alec Pierce, the Reggie Cleveland all-star ran 4.41 seconds in the 40 yard dash. He also vertically leaped 40 and a half inches at six foot three, 211 pounds. Again, referring back to earlier to, the first loser on this list, Kyron Williams, running 4.65 at 194. Alec Pierce running 4.41 at 211. You see what I'm saying here? I'm saying that at the local Y, Alec Pierce is probably going by Baba Yaga or John Wick, depending on, you know, who's talking to him, whether or not that person's Russian or, uh, you know, Bulgarian, Hungarian, whatnot. Billy Hoyle is probably over there somewhere to yell into all of us. I told y'all, if you don't, understand the Billy Hoyle reference, you probably listened to the wrong show. Now, all I really want to do, though, is throw it off the glass to Alec Pierce at the first annual two-on-two for Brotherhood Basketball Tournament. Again, if you don't get the reference, you're listening to the wrong show. Shout out Jack Harlow is going to do the reboot because I saw that man in the Celebrity All-Star Game. He was feeling himself. He ain't got no game, but he was feeling himself. All right, number seven on this list, winner. Virginia tight end, Jelani Woods. Okay. I got to know Jelani Woods first at Oklahoma State, where he played the quote unquote cow back, cowboy back role, which is an H back slash tight end role, where he frankly did not get enough of the ball. And I'm going to prove it to you. At six foot seven, Jelani Woods ran 4.61 in the 40, pumped out 24 reps on bench. And, you know, this is on top of last year. He caught 44 passes, 598 yards from Brendan Armstrong with eight touchdowns at UVA. What I'm telling you is that Jelani Woods is a bigger, stronger, faster human being than Luke Cage, okay? Than Carl Lucas, okay? Than Power Man, but he ain't heavier because, you know, Luke Cage is 425 pounds because the nature of his superhuman strength means a lot of gravity. There's a lot of physics involved that don't make any sense, but you get what I'm saying is Jelani Woods is bigger, faster, stronger than an actual superhero, okay? That's saying a lot there. Go draft that man, because I want to see him lining up in the slot on some skinny, small, slight, strong safety. I think he could give Jalen Ramsey the business. Come see me about it. Jalen, come talk about it on the show. We can talk about it. You can have it out with me. You and I, we can have our, our own little tête-à-tête, you know, like they do on the debate shows. Number eight over here, winner, 12 offensive linemen running sub five seconds in the 40. 12. Men over 300 pounds running sub five seconds of the 40-yard dash. That is the most since 2003. And I can easily imagine many of these 300-plus-pound men running downfield to pick off smaller humans on a running back's or a re- receiver's way to the end zone. And that's a terrifying thought. It's also a real one because you'll see, like, the check down account for the NFL has some of these clips of, like, Lyle Collins absolutely outrunning defensive backs to go pick off other defensive backs. It is a scary thing to watch. It's also just mesmerizing. This combine was just ridiculous. Like the speed on display. Shout out Chris Paul, University of Tulsa. He's one of those dudes that went sub four or five at 300 plus pounds. You can't run sub four or five at whatever pudgy weight you're at. Okay? It's fast. It's fast as hell. And now we got offensive linemen that are doing this. Come on, man. Number nine on this list, another winner, three more large humans, okay? Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal weighed 350 pounds and looked like he might have weighed 310. This is also the man who jumped up and did the splits on like five feet of pad at Alabama. Come on, man. Like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what a man that, that is built that solidly, but also that flexibly. There's nothing that I could do that's going to unseat him. As a matter of fact, that might be one of the better offensive tackles that we've seen in in the last few years. But, you know, I defer to my homie Jeff Schwartz on that. 341-pound UGA defensive tackle Jordan Davis ran a faster 40-yard dash at 4.78 than each of the last three quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl. Okay? So at 4.78, he's faster than Matt Stafford, who ran 4.81. Tom Brady, who ran a legendary 5.28, and Patrick Mahomes, who ran 4.8, all right? So, another way of looking at this is there are 12 offensive linemen in this draft that are faster than Tom Brady than Tom Brady 20 years ago, okay? I don't want those kind of men chasing me. Six-foot-eight, 384-pound Minnesota offensive tackle, Daniel Falele, like, that was... He's the heaviest... Player at the combine since Aaron Gibson, who went to Wisconsin in 1999. He also has the largest hands at the combine since 99, also Aaron Gibson at 11 inches. So like Hoyt Williams' knuckleball catcher's mitt, that's that's what we're dealing with over here. He didn't work out, you know, at the combine, but he's going to work out at his pro day. But if he doesn't like work out in pro football, Vince McMahon, go sign this man, okay? Sign him right along with Gable Stevenson. Also, shout out to the WWE, who is going to have their college athlete tryouts later this month at the Star. That is a feature that I really, really should probably be there to just watch and see because I love the WWE, and I love knowing that there are actual superhumans that are going to go down there and get their Roman Reigns on. All right, last winner, last person, on this list is actually twofold, okay? North Dakota State wide receiver Christian Watson. And Baylor defensive back Kalen Barnes. All right. So Christian Watson is the wide receiver darling of this combine draft. He ran 4.36 in the forty. He broad jumped 11 feet 4 inches, and he has the kind of hand size at 10 and a quarter inches that reminds you again of the catcher's mitt that Hoyt Wilhelm was using to catch Clint Courtney. I got baseball knowledge like that because I'm that dude. Also, check out my 5,000 word feature on Kurt Flood. On the Fox Sports website, I have been working my behind off. The Bison could become just the second team in FCS program, or I should say, let me go back to this again. The Bison could be just the second FCS program. There we go. With three first-round picks in a 10-year span. Drum roll, please, for the other program. And while you're thinking about that, so you got Carson Wentz, who, you know, ain't everybody's favorite right now, but still went in the first round 2016. You've also got Trey Lance, who ought to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, but that's just me and probably, you know, your diehard 49ers fans, and could be Christian Watson, right? But the other program is actually Jackson State, okay? So, Jackson State had Lester Odom get drafted first round in 93. Sylvester Morris and Rashad Anderson, two defense backs, get drafted in the first round of 2000. So, at one point, Jackson State had the two best corners in the entire country by that arithmetic. That's wild, right? To say nothing to what Jackson State might actually be, uh, have this year and that they get the HBCUs back on the program after it's been about two years since we've seen an HBCU player drafted. Shout out to a guy that I'm really, really excited about and could be really great in. Now I'm blanking on his name. Oh, man. I did this. James Houston the third. See? I got it. One of my claims to fame, apparently, you know, in the college football world is I know all these dudes' names and I have this deep understanding of college football, and then when I need it, sometimes it bails on me. Okay, Baylor defensive back Kalen Barnes ran the fastest 40 in combine history for a defensive back at 4.23. That is one hundredth of a second slower than John Ross, who had the fastest combine 40-yard uh, dash in history. And then there is another freak on this, on this list. UTSA's Tariq Woolen, my honorable mention, at six foot four, again, I'm going to say this: six foot four. He ran 4.26 in the 40 yard dash, and those two defensive backs have two of the five fastest combine 40s in history. UTSA doing the big things, right? I've been saying it, and that's not even—I think—the best player at UTSA. I think that's Sincere McCormick. But at six four with that sort of speed, I expect Tariq Woolen to get drafted highly and play a very long time in the nfl other reason i like the 40-yard dash is if you ran 427 at your pro day like my man jeff bidette who is a michigan panther you get to be a 4-2 dude for the rest of your life matter of fact the homie dominique foxworth has this story about running 4-3 at the combine he had never run 4-3 before in his life and he probably hasn't run 4-3 to his math since but that one time he ran it and that's always going to get you a phone call because you are 4-3 dude so, all of y'all don't want to be like, I don't know if he still got the 427 speed. It doesn't matter. He had it and he's still faster than you. Full stop. Okay. Now, I'm going to transition, going to segue into my spring football top 25 teams in the sport. I say top 25. So, the top 25 is at foxsports.com where you can see 11 through 25. Here, we're only going to go through the top 10. Off the rip, I'm just going to tell you that Oklahoma ain't in it. Okay. I'm being the analyst that I am at Fox Sports, taking my fandom out of it. It's not a top 10 program right now. However, shout out to Baker Mayfield, the 6 0 Savage, who is going to get his Heisman uh, Memorial, uh, I should say, Heisman Park statue dedicated April 23rd at the spring game in Oklahoma. And that 6 0 Savage is only for the OGs. If you don't understand, then you don't understand. You probably don't understand I'm not on a step mill that I can't help you there. Now, number one on this list, drum roll, please. Alabama, you know, with the Forrest Gump, I think she should go back to Greenbow, Alabama. I got to work on my country because my country comes out when I'm actually talking to other country people, but apparently I just can't do it on command. It actually has to be somebody that I'm enunciating with. Look, the additions of former wide, Georgia wide receiver Jermaine Burton, LSU cornerback Elias Ricks, uh, Georgia Tech running back Jameer Gibbs, highlight the 2022, not just transfer class, but recruiting class for the Crimson Tide. I thought it was interesting that Burton chose to leave the reigning national champions to join the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, Nick Saban was asked to talk about this, why he thought Burton might have done this, but he made it pretty plain like, We're not very good at wide receiver right now because they lose Jamison Williams. They lose John Metchie, the third, they lost Slade Bolden, which I think is unexpected because of the way that Nick Saban chose to speak about it. So the quote is this on the, on the Burton transfer. He had a fairly productive year at Georgia. They had a lot of good players at his position. You know, he had some production this year, but might've seen a better opportunity because we're a little bit more wide open and throw the ball more with a good quarterback. That may have been his intention, but we feel like we lost both starting receivers and Slade, using Slade by name, two to the draft and Slade. So to get more experienced players that has some playing time in this league probably is a good thing for us. Also, I'm, I'm just going to low-key uh, get to Saban on the two to the draft and Slade. Feels feels like shade. Feel, feel, feels like shade for Fezco. You euphoria fans, you understand that's Fezco. That's that's Slade. Lineup clean. I, I give him that. He rolling with the brush to the barbershop. You don't you don't get no fade like that at Supercuts? That's just not how that get down. All right. Also, when I said Slade Bolden is the SEC's Julian Edelman, y'all try to come get me. And then you got Slade Bolden out here saying I'm Julian Edelman. You telling on yourself. Okay, don't put that evil on me. Don't you put that evil on me. Number two on this list, Texas A&M. The Aggies move up to number two in the spring ranking on the strength of their record-setting 2022 recruiting class hall. Even more impressive is Jimbo Fisher's A&M put together a class made almost exclusively from the high school ranks in an era when many recruiting classes are 50% or more transferred, right? You also made some moving and shaking along with guys like five-star defensive lineman Jamar Stewart. You get Ole Miss defense coordinator DJ Durkin to replace Mike Elko, who is the new head coach at Duke. You also added Max Johnson, who is going to compete with Connor Weidman and, of course, Haynes King for the starting quarterback job. AM is looking for its best season since sliced bread. You get it? Since, since, since sliced bread. I'm going to use that joke forever. That's, that, that, that's forever one of the great press conferences because – Jimbo Fisher came out with what I have. He came out with a rundown. He came out with segments that he needed to do. <laughs> Cause he was gonna, he had something for Bro Bible, he had something for sliced bread, he had something for the AD at Notre Dame. Like my man was doing three hours of Sirius XM radio right there in front of us. I loved it. It was great. Number three on this list, Ohio State. It's impossible to ignore the talent, the recruiting, uh, returning for the Buckeyes. The way I couch this is, the Buckeyes didn't even have that many dudes that elected to go into the NFL draft, which means everybody's returning. Yes, they lose Chris Olave. Yes, they lose Gary Wilson. But maybe you just didn't remember that Jackson Smith and Jigba set the all-time bowl record for receiving yards in a game. Maybe you don't remember that Marvin Harrison tied the Rose Bowl record for receiving touchdowns in a game. Maybe you don't remember that Julian Fleming and Emeka Ekbuka, the number one wide receiver in 2020 and 2021, might be the third and fourth best dudes on that depth chart. Maybe you don't remember that the dude I told y'all was elite, that is electric, that, let me do this another way, that can cut a promo anytime he wants, and Travion Henderson is seven and a half yard deep, all right? I mean, Travion Henderson basically took the Big Ten and treated it like it was Brock Lesnar. Went up to the Big Ten and said, you see this ring? This is my ring. You see that cameraman? That's my cameraman. You see this belt? That's my belt. Man, Roman is having a time. Like, Roman is proof that if you keep doing your job long enough, people will respect you. You know what I mean? You know how much y'all didn't like Roman Reigns. I mean, I, I'm not going I'm not I'm not I'm not going to be shy about it. Like, I kept going, let that man walk around with his shirt off. Hey, have you seen this man? You saw in the Fast and the Furious, let Roman be Roman. Let that Georgia Tech defensive end stand out. Saying, Travion Henderson was that dude. And then you got CJ Stroud back there, right? Who I would have put on the cover of Madden. Even if y'all wanted to put Bryce Young there, I wouldn't. Fine, I'm good with that. It's like choosing Johnny Manziel or Robert Griffin III for, you know, NCAA 13. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. All right. Other thing is the defense is going to be elite. Jack Sawyer returns. Zach Harrison returns. JT Tuimola returns. Denzel Burke returns. Jim Knowles basically is being told, hey, the defense held us back last year. Your job is to make sure that doesn't happen. Because if it doesn't, they could be in the college football playoff once again. Number four on this list, Georgia. Yes, I put the reigning national champions at number four. They're barely getting the college football playoff. Sue me. All right. You're losing Jermaine Burton to Alabama. That stings. But you bring in the number three ranked class in the 2022 cycle. That's got to be a warm salve. You know how much I love this dude, Malachi Starks, who I expect to have an opportunity to play at safety. They return Christopher Smith, the peacemaker at safety. See? 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 Man, y'all, I know y'all rock with this show. you got to rock with this show. I just dropped a peacemaker reference for Georgia football. Come on, man. Clap. Please clap. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't, don't clap. It's a podcast. I can't hear you anyway. You also got, you know, perhaps the unsung hero of all and Stetson Bennett, who I expect to have his own statue in Athens. George is going to be good. George is always going to be good. Uh, I'm really interested to see how Dan Lanning, you know, survives that game against George as the head coach of Oregon. I'm like, yo, I'm not going to hold it against you if y'all get beat down. It, it is what it is. You and you one and Kirby's had that thing coming along. six years now number five on this list baylor who is having one hell of a athletic department just moment women's basketball men's basketball football they've got it all going dave aranda returns both of his coordinators one in uh jeff grimes another in ron roberts one of the real cool aspects of this is that dave aranda used to work for ron roberts right and really learned how to do that simulated pressure thing that they do that georgia also used to to win national championships. They're all back. They added Tulsa nose tackle Jackson player as a transfer, who was a former all conference American performer. Because if I say all American, you're going to be like, he wasn't all American and be like, well, he was all American conference. You get what I'm saying there? So I have to be careful about how I say that, but they lost Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. Jalen Petrie, I thought was the best defender. Well, he was the best defender, big 12 player of the year, defense player of the year, but I thought he should have been the player of the year. For the conference, he was outstanding. It's about whether or not you're going to let Blake Schappen be the starting quarterback or Jerry Bohannon be the starting quarterback for me, right? Because the offense looked really great when Schappen got his start. 82% completion, Big 12 championship game. They won it over Oklahoma State, who fell just inches short of winning a conference championship. And then you need to find who is going to replace Abram Smith, who, as I mentioned early in the show, rushed for 1,600 yards. Number six on the list, Arkansas. Arkansas, all right? Quarterback K.J. Jefferson has an argument to be the second best quarterback, right, in the SEC, let alone the SEC West. Really Bryce Young's, right, because he's that reigning Heisman Trophy winner. You can't take that away from him. With Trey Knox edging toward first-round selection uh, among wide receivers, because it feels like the wide receiver class just gets deeper every single year that we have the NFL draft. He added Oklahoma transfer Jaden Hazelwood, who somehow thinks that Oklahoma fans are mad at him. Nah, man. Mike Woods came over from Arkansas. Arkansas fans didn't feel some kind of way about it. Like, it's fine. Like, go go be great, Jaden. Don't worry about what people are telling you. Take that Malik Willis air. You know, go ball out. That offense is great. And Kendall Browns knows how to run it. I expect you to be awesome in it. And then you got Drew Sanders, who's going to join an outstanding 4 5 defense run by Barry Odom. Drew Sanders is elite. Like, to keep him off the field, you had to be Dallas Turner. Like, it was like that. He, he's elite. I can't wait to watch him play at arkansas it's also a razorback team that was nine and four last year two of their four losses were to the two teams that played for the national championship the other one that i thought was close 52 51 to ole miss right who played in the sugar bowl the argument against arkansas being a six has everything to do with alabama and a&m and nothing to do with anything else the sec is just loaded and arkansas is still trying to find a way to be on that same tier as in Alabama, or in LSU when they're good, or in Auburn when Gus Malzahn apparently was a part of the program because that seems like a dumpster fire right now. And, of course, Georgia, right? But it's not the last SEC team you're going to see here for obvious reasons. I'm, I'm past however many teams have to be in a league for me to be like, okay, how deep does it get? Because the SEC continues to just destroy everybody. And Arkansas had the misfortune of playing the two teams to play for the national championship last year in the same year. Number seven on this list, Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish will have a new starter at quarterback, you know, Jack Cohen trying to edge into the first round of the draft. We'll see how that goes. Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, both of those guys are great. Offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, he's got an outstanding eye for quarterbacks, as you very well know. Former Notre Dame quarterback himself, who is not too shabby. It's about finding somebody to pair in the receiver ranks with Michael Meyer, okay? Or, or Michael Mayer, I should say. I think of him as Michael Meyer because, you know, that man is Halloween. He's He's a scary sort of tight end. And then who's your new bell cow back? Is it Chris Tyree? Like, I think it might be. It might be, right? I think Tyree is pretty good. He's got legit 4-3 speed. But Kyron Williams meant a lot to that offense, and they were able to build around it. Defensively, they lose Kyle Hamilton to the draft, who didn't run as fast as I wanted him to after being, you know, Harold is one of the best athletes to ever come through Notre Dame ever, and that's saying a lot. But – you replace him with Northwestern All-American, Brandon Joseph, who transfers, of course, from Northwestern to Notre Dame. I expect him to play some safety for Marcus Freeman on defense. It's going to be pretty fun over there, and I really love that staff. And, you know, it's kind of awkward for me because I'm used to just absolutely dunking on Notre Dame, being like, get out of here, Notre Dame. Now they hire Marcus Freeman, who, uh, you know, wears his hair a lot like mine. I'm with that. I just, I just am. Like, I was with it when Ty was there. And now I'm with it again. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's fun. When you had Carlisle Halliday and Arnez Battle, I was here for it. And I'm going to be here for it once again. Number eight on this list, Utah. Perhaps the most underrated coach and program in the country is Kyle Whittingham and the Utah Utes. The defending Pac-12 champs, return starting quarterback, Cam rising. They add Stanford linebacker Gabe Reed, who could replace Devin Lloyd or Nephi Sewell. In Morgan Scali's defense, I expect them to be pretty doggone stout. Every year, nobody's looking at Utah. Every year, they seem to come out just a little off-center, and they finish strong. They beat the hell out of Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. They gave Ohio State a run for their money. For me, they are the best team in the Pac-12 today. You know, I have more to say about that in the top 25, and as far as you'll see, maybe one other Pac-12 program. And perhaps Kyle Whittingham has something to prove. I can beat up on Lincoln Riley, and I can beat up on him a lot. And as Monique would say, I would like to see it. Uh, not that I want to see Lincoln Riley do bad. I want to see Utah play USC. Don't get it twisted. Don't do not do that to me because that's that's not what I'm doing. Number nine, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin lost both of his coordinators and his starting quarterback, multiple running backs to the draft and or the portal. He responded with one of the most impressive hauls of the cycle. USC quarterback, Jackson Dart, former National Gatorade player of the year, transfers to Ole Miss. Texas Christian running back, Zach Evans, who I genuinely believe is one of the best tailbacks in the sport today. He's at Ole Miss. And, of course, USC tight end Michael Trigg followed Jackson Dart over to Ole Miss. The SEC West is just loaded. You know, like, we're talking about LSU being right above a Mississippi State. That's that's what it is. I mean, you can go Alabama, or I should say LSU being above a Mississippi State who is above an Auburn. Like, I think Auburn's probably bringing up the rear this year if the offseason is any in indication where they're flirting with trying to fire their head coach and basically didn't have the money to do it. But the SEC West has been loaded for the last 15 years, quite honestly. It's not looking like it's letting up any, any anytime soon. It's got one of my favorite coaches in it, in Sam Pittman. And I'm a Nick Saban, you know, file. Like, I've, I know a lot about that dude. And as far as you can know a lot about from him from what's written, I'm excited to see what that looks like. And then finally, at number 10, Michigan State. Mel Tucker followed up, losing arguably the best running back in the Big Ten, arguably because I still think Travion Henderson was a better tailback. And, of course, you might have somebody wanting to argue with me about Hassan Haskins. But Kenneth Walker III was certainly that dude, even if, you know, he didn't do much because he was hurt against Ohio State. Wisconsin also added running back Jalen, let's just say, Michigan State added Wisconsin running back Jalen Berger and Colorado running back Jarek Broussard. That's going to help you tremendously. It's about if defensive coordinator Scotty Hazleton can get that secondary under control because if they look anything like respectable, they could challenge once again for the Big 10 East title and perhaps do what Michigan did, which is keep Ohio State off the podium. For the 11 through 25, once again, I will refer you to foxsports.com where I have my spring top 25 and I'm sure it's going to be all over the socials. And you'll let me know what you think on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams as it were uh, ease up on the, you suck RJ. Cause you know, I'm not exactly Malik Willis about it. It does affect me. Anyway, we have more USFL content coming your way. We're doing a USFL coaches series where I get to talk with all eight coaches. From Jeff Fisher to Kevin Sumlin to Mike Riley to Skip Holtz, everybody, Todd Haley—it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to do it, and we'll have that starting for for you next week. All right, our lead producer is the imitable Catherine Donnelly. Our director is the invaluable John Marcus. Our social media maven is my homie and the South Carolina stand-up Gamecock, Birmingham Bull. What you know about Javion Duncan? Rachel Cohn is our lead of screening, and I'm the host, R.J. Young. We will see you next week. Deuses.